Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Preston M. Smith, a vegan artist in Los Angeles. Known by the provocative moniker PMS, in 2009, Preston was commissioned to paint 12 portraits of President Barack Obama for the inaugural Purple Ball in Washington, D.C., where his paintings were distributed to celebrities and collectors, including Ed Harris, Ashley Judd, Amy Madigan, Josh Lucas, Patricia Arquette, Il Devo, and more. Having been through art school and working part-time in restaurants and other jobs while building his body of artwork on the side, Preston eventually came to a point where he was able to work full-time as an artist, showing his work in galleries as well as selling it online to the general public and collectors across the globe. Part of this transition involved a shift in mindset from the tortured starving artist to an entrepreneur running a creative art-based business. This change is captured in a short documentary about Preston called Negativity to Creativity, directed by Antonio Lugo Ponce. The film highlights the artist's process, as well as a new painting that he's working on as part of his garbage collection, a series dealing with reducing our carbon footprint and becoming more eco-friendly in art. As well as including his own recycled materials in his artwork, Preston ensures he only uses vegan-friendly brushes and paints. In this interview, Preston talks about the one action you need to take to stand a chance of becoming a successful full-time artist, whether art school is still necessary to be successful, whether art shows are still relevant, how to offset some of the costs of putting on your own art show, why the tortured starving artist trope is so dangerous and how ditching it was key to his success, the marketing strategies he uses that result in leads and sales of his artwork, how to handle the rejection that's prevalent in the art world and turn it into something positive, and much more. Here's the interview with Preston M. Smith. Hello, Preston. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Katrina. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm very excited to have you on the show because you're the first visual artist that we've had on the podcast. And I think it's really important for people to get their heads around the fact that something like art uh, you know, is a business and can be a business, particularly if people want to make money from doing something that they love. So the first question I always ask everyone on the podcast is their why. So what are your drivers and your reasons for doing what you do and running your art-based business? Yeah, well, I think the short answer would be uh, because I, I kind of have to. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've been doing I've been doing it my whole life. I've been doing something uh, creative and in, in, in the visual arts, and I've actually tried to do other things, and I keep coming back to it. I just there's nothing else sits well with me. So that's the short answer. But um, I I've always felt like I've had something to express, and that's kind of come out uh, in a visual fashion. And and I you know ultimately I want to create great artwork that inspires people and um, 
you know, makes them think and hopefully brings them some joy. Wonderful. Fantastic. I love what you said about you have to do it. And I think that's, yeah. that's often an entrepreneurial uh, person's journey and that they try all these other things. And maybe, you know, you go off and do these other things, but somehow it, it's something just pulling you to do what you do. And, and eventually, you, you know, you have to kind of, yeah, take notice of that. So uh, exactly. no, that's great. Now, so your name as an artist, it's Preston M. Smith. And I noticed that the name of your, uh, your art-based business, or you're also known as PMS, um, yes, artwork, yes. which is quite um, an interesting title, shall we say? It's obviously got certain connotations, particularly right. for women. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. tell us a bit about why you chose that name. Well, yeah, it's funny because some, some people actually will get angry when they ask me, well, why, P- "Why PMS?" You know. Well, yeah, I, I definitely is my initials, and that's how I sign my work. Uh, PMS. Uh, it's just the short version of signing, but also, you know, I, I thought it was. Um, it was kind of a great branding uh, technique for me as well as just throughout my life. I remember I had this story when I was a kid, I was in sexual education class and I remember some kid in the front of the class, it got quiet and he said, Preston's initials are PMS. And the whole (laughs) class just broke into laughter (laughs) and I was so embarrassed. And then I I told myself right then and there, I was like, I'm I'm never going to be embarrassed by this again. So I, I basically kind of took the power back and just, you know, made it my own and accepted it. And, also, it's kind of a reminder to not take yourself too seriously. So, I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. And notice yeah, I, when, when you said that, I laughed as well. And then I was feeling guilty. I'm, like, oh, no, I hope I'm not triggering him. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But, I moved past that. <laughs> but no, I love that you've, you've shared that. And it's a great example of how, yeah, taking something that was once yeah, horrible, you know, not, not great, and just completely turning it on its head and reclaiming it, if you like, and, and, and going yeah. with it. So I, I love that you shared that. That's fantastic. <laughs> so tell us about some of the, the key challenges so when you were first starting out as an artist what were some of your key challenges Preston sure I think I mean I think a lot of artists go through this but um for me it was I went to school and I studied actually theater and fine art uh, in school and I actually worked with my professor who was a painter for a year afterwards which was a great experience but the one thing I I realized when I first got to Los Angeles and I was doing it professionally was that uh nobody was going to help me. <laughs> so wow. I was, uh, I was on my own and, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're teaching this in art school now. I hope they are, but that was lacking in, in, in my schooling, uh, the business side of, of art and, and getting myself out into the world. I, I kind of felt like, well, you know, I'll just create the work and, you know, people will see it or somebody will come and, and, and sell it for me or, you know, get me into the gallery and, um, expose me to the world. But, I realized very quickly that that, that wasn't the case. <laughs> that yeah, I, right. yeah, I had to kind of, I, I kind of had to take the reins a bit. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of a shock. At the same time, you know, I was, I was kind of isolated for a while and it, it helped me to develop a body of work. I fought the, the idea of, you know, doing a lot of the, the legwork and selling my own work, but um, at least I got a big body of work out of it. But then I, I had to eventually turn the corner and turn it into a business. And how did you go about doing that? Yeah, well, you know, the first, I was very stubborn <laughs> at the beginning. I, I subscribed to the whole kind of, uh, you know, tortured, uh, uh, you know, starving artist stigma. And, um, and that, that was kind of a romantic idea for me for, for many years. But, um, and I think it is for a lot of people, you know, a lot of the artists that I followed were, you know, these kind of tortured people. And, and <laughs> I realized after uh, a little while, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be the tortured 
starving artist. I want to be, I want to be a happy and successful artist. So in order to do this, I have to kind of get out into the world. So one of the first things I did actually was I'm, I was, I was home alone and I, I, I Tony Robbins <laughs> a commercial came on TV and I, I was kind of taken by it and I, I thought it was corny, but I also like, you know, he had a lot of people who were recommending him and people that I, I admired. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And I actually had a friend who had one of his personal power programs and I, I, I started listening to it and it just kind of forced me out of my comfort zone. It kind of forced me to do some things that I hadn't done before. And that was the start of everything. I started to get out into the world and, and, and uh, push myself to grow as an artist and as a business person. I love that. Now, I'm a big fan of Tony. I actually did his um, uh, Unleash the Power Within event oh, back nice. in 2012. I did the firewalk. And I, I, oh, I yeah. do like him, actually. I like what he, he stands <laughs> for. And he does. You're right. He pushes you out of your comfort zone. And, and I love that you've touched on that, the whole starving artist um, mindset and the torture soul. And, you know, I'm a background as a writer and I get that. And it's almost like you almost feel a bit dirt. Or in the beginning, you kind of feel like, Oh, you know, if you're if you're being paid money to do something, it means you must be selling out, um, right. and it's and so it's like somehow being broke and like you say tortured is somehow that means you're a real artist. It's almost like a badge of honour. So yeah. I, I'm glad that you you've touched on that. Um, I, and I know there's been you know like the sort of myths that oh, in order for people to like all the best artists like they produce their work because they were these tortured souls. Um, yes. But uh, you know, I think do you think it's possible to create? really good work because obviously you know we're not all going to be happy clappy 24 7 every single day of course we're going to go through challenges and grief and loss and all those kinds of things but having those tools like you said those mindset tools to to be able to process them and not get trapped and locked into those negative emotions for a really long period can be really quite um useful so uh, i'm glad that you've um yeah that you've touched on that to yeah get people because we see we probably you and i both see you know people who are amazingly creative but it's not the ones necessarily who are the most talented who are going to be the most successful because unless they know how to market their work they're not going to get known and do you know what i mean we can see who people who are out there in the public eye who are you know maybe a bit mediocre but they've got amazing pr and marketing teams um and i think it's important to get that particularly for ethical artists as well such as yourself you know an artist is also vegan so i'm very glad that you've um yeah that you've you've uh touched on that so talking about that then in terms of you being a vegan artist or an artist who is vegan however you Mm -hmm. like to describe that how do you weave your ethics into your art yeah well for me like I said it was this transition I kind of I kind of like to think of my work as kind of transitioning from darkness into light and and from going from that kind of depressive almost negative mindset to positive and happy and and that really shows in my art and and actually um, that's, that's kind of where veganism even came on my radar. It just, I, I, it was like everything I was putting into my body was coming out in my artwork and, and the more bad stuff I would put in, you know, <laughs> it was like the more negativity would come out. <laughs> so putting, putting positive and healthy, uh, ingredients, uh, definitely started to help me turn the corner. And, and, and I, when I finally made the, made the, the full transition to becoming vegan, I just felt this huge burst of energy and, and my artwork changed. But um, I think I try, to, um, I try to make people think a little bit with my work as well. I have a couple series with, that deal with um, climate change and you know, the rising oceans. And they're kind of pretty to look at, but there's like an underlying um, 
kind of more sinister element to them uh, right. of what, what's going to happen if we don't, you know, if we don't really get this under control. Right. And, and also I have this new, uh, I have this new uh, collection that I'm doing called the gar- my garbage collection, which is uh, recycled trash, essentially my own recycled trash. I'm actually putting it into the paintings and I actually recycle materials. I'll, I'll drive the streets of Los Angeles and I'll find wood that's been discarded. that's in good condition still. And I'll turn it into art, you know, stuff that's just going to go to the junkyard. Um, I will actually turn it into, you know, a nice piece of art that, um, that somebody's going to hang in their place. So, um, you know, I, I kind of like to reduce my carbon footprint as much as I can with my art. Fantastic. I love that. So I love that you are doing something practical. Like you say, you're weaving your ethics through the actual practical side of things, but also you've got that representation of those issues within your art as well. I think that's lovely. And I did watch your short video that was made about you, which is fabulous. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes page. I think that was, uh, yeah, I really liked watching your process around that. Um, Thank you. Now in terms of, so being an artist who's vegan obviously there's the issue of supplies so you know brushes and paints and materials that are not necessarily vegan friendly so tell us about your choices and in that regard yeah uh well i try to the funny thing is i I hardly ever even use brushes anymore i've started to move on to different kinds of tools um but when i do use brushes i I, you know i'll use uh da vinci brushes typically they're um you know, animal friendly or synthetic brushes. Uh, I use paintings. I use that oil paint, sorry, from like Windsor and Newton, which are, they're not a hundred percent their whole company, but most of their oil paints are um, animal friendly and vegan. I avoid one or two of their colors because I know they haven't for years. I mean, even centuries they've been using um, certain colors have been using like charred animal bones, which I, I hate the idea of that, obviously. So I avoid those types of pigments um, altogether. And um, for me, it's about, it's about making choices as a consumer, just the same way I would do if I was going to the store. Um, like I'm not, I, I shop at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods with my wife and, and you know, I don't, I don't boycott the store because they're selling animal products. I just, I just buy their vegan their, products. Their yeah. vegan products. Exactly. Nice. And I think, yeah. I think that kind of makes people, um, the, I think that, you know, hopefully will inspire them to sell more of those products. And I, and I feel the same way with my, my, uh, supplies. Fantastic. No, I love that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, as we know, the artwork, uh, the art world rather is notoriously competitive. So how do you go about standing out and maintaining, I guess, yeah, clients and customers who are going to buy your works? Oh, it's competitive. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah, it's, it's very competitive. Well, and I think even I think nowadays even more so because you know social media is kind of a blessing and a curse because you've got so many opportunities now to get your artwork out into a massive audience, even internationally. But with that, you've got everybody's an artist. You know, you've got somebody who who just you know they've done 10, 10 pieces or doodles, and now they're on Instagram. You know, trying to sell their work. So you're you're, you're competing with even more people. So for me, I think it's about, you got to just, you got to do the work. You got to do the work and you've got to do it consistently and put as much quality into it as possible. Because I think um, that weeds out a lot of those people who are just posing as artists or, you know, um, aren't, aren't quite as serious. You know, you can, you can see through that after a while. If you see somebody who's consistently putting out quality work, um, that's going to be on your radar. And for me also just, it sounds funny, but just treating people well, that was, that was a big thing for me, you know, developing good relationships in the art world, not just, um, 
you know, using people uh, to to get your work out there, but really developing good relationships. And that, and same thing with the with collectors. Like I, I really try to treat them. I actually worked in restaurants for many years uh, part time uh, while I was trying to get my business off the ground. And you know, I fought it for many years, but I, it was it was when I made my peace with it and started really you know um, being more conscious in my work and and being more conscious with people that you know I. It's funny that that's when my art business started taking off. So I kind of transitioned into that using those same techniques that I use in the restaurant business. So I, I, I just treat people like I'd want to be treated, essentially. I love that. I love how you, you're really kind of, you're, you're such a good example of, yeah, taking these, what, you know, are kind of taken as read in what we might consider traditional businesses and applying that to your art business. And I, I had a bit of a similar kind of wake up call myself where I was having to do like certain writing and editing gigs that I really didn't want to do just to you know, right. bring the money, like to, to pay the bills because otherwise I would be a starving artist. Whereas, oh, yeah. you know, I wasn't being paid to write, you know, the kinds of things that I really wanted to, to write. But then, uh, and, you know, I think, oh, well, how can I, you know, I'd be clock watching and all of this. And then eventually I kind of realized that, okay, this is, like you said, it's part of the journey and, you know, be grateful for that in that this is allowing me to, you know, write the kinds of stuff that I want to write. And ultimately at some stage, I'll be able to make a living from doing just that. And, and you're exactly. right, once you make your Peace with that, and you, yeah, like you say, treat people the way you'd want to be treated, and particularly, you know, like working with my my partner, who's you know very experienced in business and everything, and and you know, I realised that if I'm hiring staff, you know, I wouldn't want them to be like me, you know, sitting clock watching and couldn't wait to be getting out there and doing the least possible. So that was like a, a yeah, a little bit of a, a wake up call. So I, I love that, and when you do that, then yeah, it's funny things start to kind of fall in place, it's like the universe is rewarding rewarding you excuse me um for for getting it so no i love that that's yeah. fantastic mm-hmm. so now in terms of a lot of the there's a bit of marketing buzz at the moment going around that it's all about you know don't think about competition think more about collaboration think so think of your competitors as potential collaborators i'm curious right. what your thoughts on that are and whether you've done any kind of partnerships or ventures with other artists yeah well i i think i think um i try to I try to have kind of an abundance mindset where I think there's plenty of business and success out there for everybody. Uh, instead of trying to make looking at other artists as competitors and being people that I'm jealous of when they, when they get something, I actually see that as great. Good for them. Um, this could happen for me too. And so I'm genuinely happy for, for other artists when they're successful, but actual collaborations. Yeah. I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm currently collaborating with, uh, an Australian artist, um, and we are—we're uh, both on this online marketplace that we that we met on, and we're basically starting two different paintings, and we're starting them. He's starting one in Australia, I'm starting one in Los Angeles, and then we're going to let them dry. That mine's almost ready to ship right now, and uh, we're going to ship them out to each other and have the other person finish them, and then oh, we're going to nice. base. Yeah, so you know, it's kind of it's it also stretches you to do things you haven't done before, but we can also market those on each of our end. We both have different places where we market our, so uh, we're basically doubling the amount of exposure we're going to get, and it's just nice to be able to work with another like-minded artist. And then I finished um, I finished a collaboration with another Los Angeles artist too. She does um, felt and she sews these kind of interesting objects, and we did this live. Uh, we we were we took part in this gallery exhibition and we did basically a live audience participation thing where people were pounding her felt objects into my painting 
And that was something that I would have never done or never been exposed to had I not said yes to this. So yeah, definitely, it definitely, um, it, it forces you to grow. And, and, and I found that I, I get turned on to different opportunities that I wouldn't have been otherwise. Fantastic. Oh, I love that. That's a really kind of smart moves there. And it, it just goes to show how, yeah, instead of, like you say, like what you said about the abundance mindset, and it just goes to show that when you come from that perspective, it can really be a win for everybody, yeah. uh, which is awesome. So that's lovely. So in terms of marketing um, and, and PR, Preston, so what have been some of the marketing strategies that you've used uh, that have been successful, I guess, in growing your brand as an artist and getting you exposure? Yeah, I, I think... I think it was, it was kind of, it was a mind, mindset shift as well for me. It, it was, uh, this is not just my artwork. It's, it's my brand is kind of me as an artist. So you're, you're kind of, um, in the art world, I found that people actually like to, people who are collecting your work, they actually like to feel as if they know you and they know a little bit about your story. They feel they want to feel a connection to you. So a lot of my, my marketing started to shift to being, a little more personable, sharing my story with people, and um, and uh, and tying that in with my with my brand, as well as you know treating people with respect. But um, that way, you almost feel like you're you you're a collector as a friend of yours, or almost like family. I've I've had people who who've collected my work in the past, and they're just like, I don't know why I'm, I'm so I'm so excited for you whenever you <laughs> sell a painting or something. <laughs> so it's kind of nice, you know. You feel like they're they're part of your uh, part of your tribe almost when you do that. So when you, how have you actually conveyed that? Have you done that on social media or is it more oh, kind sure. of networking Sorry, yeah. and in person? Yeah. You know, everything I do, social media is, is big for me. Um, I, I, I'm constantly on social media. Which um, ones particularly, do, Preston? I do Facebook. I do Instagram, Twitter, uh, Pinterest. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, a bunch of stuff. But I would say, cool. the, I would say the ones that I actually get the most out of um, for my business are Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is an artist, especially. Yeah, of uh, course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I were a photographer, I would use Snapchat. But, um, but yeah, so Instagram. And I've, I've, and I've generated sales from them. I'll do, I'll do paid promotions with them every once in a while to, uh, if I have a posting that I really want to get out there, uh, you can kind of, you know, you can basically select a group and, narrow it down to a type of you know the yes. type of exposure you want to get so that's been that's been very well for me but i think i think one of the biggest things is one of the older things is a uh, a newsletter the good old fashioned newsletter by because, email yeah. yeah 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 because people these are people who have either signed up for your newsletter who are actually genuinely interested in you um and they're either a collector or a, maybe a soon to be collector of yours so you're basically just kind of letting them know what's going on with you and and things that you're accomplishing along the way and and I found that a lot of times those people will turn into collectors eventually, the people who are on your newsletter. Got it. So when you're doing your, have you, do you get like direct sales of your artwork from say either Facebook or Instagram, or is it more a case of getting them into your email list and then communicating with them over time so that they get to know, like, and trust you even more when they eventually buy? Right. I think it's, it's both. I've, I've had, um, I've had people who've been turned on to me and who signed up to my, for my newsletter, but I've also made sales not necessarily directly off Instagram, but somebody found me on Instagram and they said they want to purchase something and then I'll set it, I'll arrange a sale through a different, you know. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, cool. so either through my website or, or, or just directly through PayPal or something. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's nice, you know. Uh, so having that, the website plus the social media plus these online marketplaces and then, you know, doing the, um, 
the brick and mortar stuff, I, I think it's all necessary. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So in regards to the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials um, and on your website and your branding and the prominence of the word, obviously there's the two schools of thought. Um, obviously when you pitched me to, like, to come on, big, uh, you know, be on my show, uh, I, you did a great pitch and it was you made it very clear you're a vegan artist and, and it was awesome. So, But what about uh, in terms of the rest of your branding and marketing, like how much do you use the word vegan or not? And I ask this to everyone and there's no right or wrong question. I'm just curious about what your, your thoughts wrong. are. Wrong! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 definitely, I definitely use it um, for certain, like, niche marketing stuff. Like, for example, with you, I, I did. Um, but uh, because, you know, you want to – basically, I, I want to get my work to like-minded people. Like, I think, I think vegans are very um, interested in what other vegans are doing. And it's almost like your, your base. It can be your, your base or your, your tribe. So I like to market um, specifically using vegan for that. I don't do it all the time in general because my, my work isn't specifically like I'm not painting vegan food, for example, or, or anything like that. But, but I, I think, I think it's, it's um, a little bit broader. It, it's all wrapped into being kind of a more conscious person. So I think that is reflected in my artwork more um, is that, you know, the vegan is kind of baked into that essentially. Um, uh, the fact that I'm just, I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to put out conscious ideas in my artwork and colorful and happy um, ideas. So the vegan is kind of, like I said, it's, it's, it's more baked into it generally, but then I will also use it for, for niche marketing. Got it. So, and you haven't found then that by being a vegan artist, it's kind of put some people off, for example, like galleries or dealers or collectors or whatever. If they know you're a vegan, they might have, right. I don't know, preconceptions. Well, they, I mean, people do. It's funny. I, I, I mean, I'm lucky that I, I live in Los Angeles. I think it's a little more accepted here than, than some places in the country, in the world. But, but yeah, you still get, you know, the, the raised eyebrows sometimes and people just, you know, they have their own baggage that, that comes along with it. And, and really they almost feel like you're, you're judging them <laughs> or something, yeah. which, is, which is completely the opposite of, of what we, what we do, I think. But um, what, what I like to do with that is I think um, I just try to, I just try to kind of lead by example. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing well and I'm, you know, taking care of my body and, and, you know, you have a lot of energy, I think, people kind of come around in that way. They see that you're doing well and then they get interested and then they start asking you questions about your, about your diet or your, your lifestyle. Um, right. and that's a kind of yeah. good way to kind of sneak in there. It is. I love that. I've tried to take that approach over the, particularly in the last part of the years, I've been vegan 21 years this year. Oh, wow. and certainly in the past, I probably didn't. I was, you know, the angry vegan for a while, but, but <laughs> right. I do find it is, it's like, you know, if you're kind of, you know, seen as being fabulous and fun and, uh, you know, in, enjoying life and it's like, and people say, Oh, you know, how come you, what, what happened? You say, Oh, yeah, because I'm vegan. And then they're like, Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, associating it with something positive is, is yeah. a good advocacy for sure Definitely. now you got a commission to paint president barack obama in 2009 i think it was which was pretty yes. exciting tell us about uh, initially how did the gig come about and also what was your experience of it uh, actually you know for fulfilling it yeah uh well it was great it's still one of my favorite things that i've ever done but um it, I didn't actually have the president sit for me, but I, I was, <laughs> I, which would have been amazing. I think he's too busy for that. But uh, maybe not nowadays. Though. <laughs> maybe not now. Hey, hey, so, hey! You know, Mr. you've done your main job. Hey, Mr. Come on. President, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm available anytime. No, but uh, yeah. So I, I, I was working at a restaurant with a friend at the time, and you know, I was, I was 
crazy doing my artwork on the side. And, and uh, he had a friend who was actually organizing one of the balls for, for the inauguration in 2009. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's hundreds of balls that go on the night, but this was one of the important ones that, you know, that the president was going to make an appearance at. Um, and he was working with an artist that fell through and he was scrambling at the last minute. He needed somebody. And my friend just kind of mentioned my name said my, you know, my, my friend and roommate is a, is a great artist and she check out his work and he checked out my work and he loved it. And he, and he got in wow. contact with me. And I was like, uh, I was terrified because he needed basically 12 or 13 paintings in three weeks. Ooh, <laughs> and I was wow. working full-time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so I was working part-time in a restaurant, but I said, yes, of course, because, you know, you can't say no to that. Sure. So the, my life just became, uh, you know, <laughs> waking up, painting, going to work, coming back, painting and not sleeping at all. And, and I work with oil, so they don't dry very fast. So I had to do oh. all this in three weeks. I had fans set up all over my apartment, <laughs> drying the paintings, and tripping over them. And he needed them basically to be um, almost like a replica of the original, but with subtle differences. So that was another added little stressor, but I, I got it done at the last minute under the wire. I think even maybe one of them was a tiny bit not dry when we sent it off, but I actually got to go to uh, Washington DC and go to the ball. And I, um, my, my paintings were distributed to um, celebrities at the, at the uh, inaugurate or the, at the ball, like Ed Harris, um, Ashley Judd, Patricia Arquette, some some really big people that I wow. I admire, and I got to meet all them. And oh, it was a wonderful amazing. experience. Yeah, how it was wonderful. great. So yeah, was just really going back a bit to when you were creating, so were you not like when you got? I mean, that's a wonderful um, example of you know there you were working in a restaurant to pay the bills, doing your art on the side, and this opportunity right. came out. Know, I mean, that's pretty amazing. So I think that's a good message to send to people. You know, if you are like doing you know a, a day job and you're doing your you know your creative stuff on on the side, opportunities can still happen by being oh, out yeah. there which is great. So, but when you got that, and like you say, you had to do all this work in such a short space of time. I mean, were you nervous to talk? Because sometimes, you know, when big opportunities fall in the lap of creative people, sometimes they can kind of almost get like a paralysis and, you know, get the whole negative thing. Go, Am I good enough? Oh my God, can I do this? So was there any <laughs> yeah. of that with you? Or had you listened to the Tony Robbins CD so many <laughs> times that it was like, no, or did you not have even time to get nervous? And just That was something? kind of it, actually. I, I, I didn't have the time. I just jumped and I knew that I, I, I literally, I, I, I didn't have a moment's free time. So I just jumped into it without thinking about it. But, nice, um, nice. but yeah, of course I was, I was nervous the whole time I felt I had, you know, the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like, <laughs> not that it was that important, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, but for me it was. And, and I was, I was afraid that if I, you know, if I didn't deliver, you know, uh, this could be it for me. So, um, yeah, so there was a lot of pressure, but I, I didn't have time to really think about the yeah, pressure at the time. Yeah, I think that's good. I found that helps me, that's helped me in the past as my background is journalism, is having a deadline. It's like yes. you haven't got time to progress. And sometimes, like, I'll do all my research well in advance because I don't want to leave that, but I'll often leave the actual writing of it till close to the deadline because mm -hmm. then I know that I'm not going to have time to kind of sit and procrastinate or get writer's block or do any of that nonsense. It's like, okay, it's due in, like, two days I've got to just get on with it and <laughs> yeah. work so you have there's, no choice. there's something about that for sure now how yeah. did that I mean that's a, a great coup for you obviously as an artist so how did that commission how do you think that's impacted your art business well it's funny because it's all positive some of it, it might sound negative but but it's it's all been extremely positive for me because um first of all you know it, it was kind of one of those things that I, I felt like it 
it, it was almost like a feather in my cap at the time. Like, okay, look, somebody else values my work and, you know, they're going to these celebrities and I'm, I'm going to Washington, D.C. So it kind of validated me a little bit as an artist, which was very important. But, but at the same time, um, I, I, you know, I was a little bit green at the time as far as being a, a business-minded. And I also I was just too busy. I, I didn't have much time to really think about you know, getting this out there, marketing it, you know, writing the press releases, getting this out to the world, having, you know, massive coverage. I kind of thought that that was already going to take care of itself a little bit, <laughs> which, which it, it did to an extent, you know, I mean, I had a, I had, I got an article from my hometown written, which was, which was wonderful. But looking back on it, if I, if, if I, you know, me now, I would have just been all over. And if I didn't have time, I would have hired somebody to do it. So it was a great learning experience for me as a, a you know, um, as being almost like an entrepreneur. Now you, you have to take advantage of these things when they, when they come up. So, and, and I've been able to use it, um, since then. And I've, and it's still one of those things that I really like to talk to people about, cause I think it's a great story, but, but yeah, I, I definitely use it as a learning experience. Like next time this kind of thing comes about, I have to pull out all the stops essentially you know yeah yeah, yeah. no that's that's great advice actually and, and it is I often teach people because I teach people how to do their own PR and it is very much you know maximize and leverage uh you know particularly things like that but it's actually I mean I've found that it's worked for you and that when I was you know looking about you looking up about you and checking you out you know would he be a good guest for the show and I must admit when I saw that I, I was very impressed and I think <laughs> so that's that obviously can be a great thing to have on your resume I mean you know, it helps to sort of you know stand you apart from from other artists like oh wow you know did this commission and you know and the celebrity angle you know like it or not you know we live in a celebrity obsessed culture and uh, if so yeah, that can do. happen then yeah name dropping and uh, what have it it's uh, a useful thing so that's fantastic congratulations and yeah, no, i'm great. still very i'm very grateful for it yeah Awesome. Now, in terms of, so for other people listening to this, and maybe they've, you're at the stage you were at a few years ago, they're doing their day job, and then they're doing their art on the side. What advice would you um, give to them for those you know, aspiring one day to make a living from their art? What, in your opinion, are the key things they need to take into account? Well, I think, I think the main thing, and, and this is the thing that people kind of don't ever want to hear, is, is you, you got to do the work. <laughs> you know, you have to really I think, I think nowadays, like we talked about earlier a bit with social media, how almost anybody can be an artist nowadays yeah. on, on, online. But um, so there's kind of this, there's kind of this whole, I don't know, movement to just be like, oh, I can push a button and I can be this. Well, you really can't. I mean, you're not going to, you might, you might get a little, you know, uh, 15 minutes of fame here and there, but you're not going to have a lasting business off of that. So you really have to do the work. I think, I think there's still something to be said for the whole you know, 10,000 10, hours or 10 years to mastery type thing. You, you've got to put in that time and develop your craft, first of all. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to build a body of work um, because without that, you have nothing to show people. And, and plus, you're not going to have a voice. You're not going to be doing anything unique as an artist if you, if you haven't developed that. Um, and then after that, you have to – I mean, I think you should be developing in your spare time, you know, your, your business. Like, for me, it was one of those things where – I spent many years just creating my craft and then it was about developing certain habits that um, like, for example, I would get up in the morning, I would go to work at 4, 4 p.m. at a restaurant and I would use my whole day 
getting up, taking pictures of my new work, you know, putting it online, developing business strategies, marketing it. And then I would, you know, put on my restaurant attire <laughs> and go to work. <laughs> and so developing that, and then I, I slowly kind of paid off debt, came up with a little bit of a surplus, you know, saved up enough money. And then I'd established at, after a certain point that I was, I was selling at a certain level where I was like, okay, I could see myself maintaining this level. Um, and then I basically, at some point I decided, well, this is my point to jump. And, um, you know, as, as Tony Robbins says, burn the boats <laughs> because <laughs> you, have, you, you have to do it at some point. Fantastic. Oh, I love that you've shared that. that. That's brilliant. Really good advice. I, I love this. It's great. What about art school then? Is it still necessary and or worth it? You know, I think it's, I think it's case specific, uh, these days. I, I think, if, you know, I, I, I studied in school, um, and I think it's it's funny that a lot of people in our world will throw around this like dirty word or dirty phrase of of oh are you self taught <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and, and and just if, if you're listening and if you're self taught there's no problem with being self taught uh, I think everybody to an extent is self taught you know I, I taught myself how to draw drawing my whole life and then I kind of honed that a little bit in school but um, I think if you if you want to do something in our world if you want to teach for example you you have to go to our school. Uh, if, if you want to, um, be a professional artist, it's not mandatory. I learned a lot of good, uh, um, I learned a lot of, um, tools from it. My professor was this old Boston teacher, mm-hmm. been painting for 40 years. He was my mentor and, and I, I learned so much about being an artist. So it was very valuable for me, but, um, there are so many things online nowadays, like, you know, you go to creative live or you can take creative courses online for a fraction of the cost or, you know, even finding tutorials and stuff like that. So if you have the drive already and, and you, you know, maybe think you want to skip school, I think, I think people can do it. But um, at the same time, I, if you were pressing me, I would say, try to go to school, you know, try to, try to get the foundation, try to learn the, the tools before you jump into yeah. the marketplace. No, that's good advice. Good advice. And you write it to you out on that case-to-case um, basis. Uh, a friend of mine, Rach Moran's a self-taught um, artist here, and she makes her living from doing it. She was also a talented musician. and But, you mm-hmm. know, like she's done what you said. It's that constant body of work. And I think she's got some key clients who particularly love what she does. Um, yeah. But, you know, she, when you say self-taught, she, but I think she would also studied, like, you know, whether it's reading or just, you know, going online and, and, and learning stuff is, is a... a a good thing but no it's good to know you know that whole because sometimes it can be a bit sort of snooty and sometimes it's like oh well if you haven't gone to art school darling you know you're not yeah, proper yeah, artist exactly. kind of thing so it's just kind of interesting but also it can be very expensive um you know going to school particularly in the oh, us definitely. and other countries where you've then got to pay all of that back um right so yeah no that's that's great so in terms of art shows so we've seen you know a massive change in how people buy their uh, things that they like whether it's luxury goods or whether it's their day-to-day stuff and we're seeing you know people more and more people are going online for example to get their entertainment you know we're not even going to the video store anymore we're just like downloading from you know or watching on on streaming so what about actual art shows how important are they nowadays i think they're i think they're less important but they're they're still important i mean if i'm if i'm being honest the online marketplaces that I belong to and selling off my website and selling off social media. Those were the reason why I was uh, eventually able to quit my job. Um, I, I do, you know, I do sell in shows too, but ideally you, you want to have a balance, right? You want to be doing everything, but um, I don't think they're quite as essential as they used to be. And, and having, you know, 
having all these online marketplaces and the ability to sell online through your own website. Now it's, it's, um, it's been kind of a game changer for a lot of people because before it, it, it seemed like the art world was very exclusive. It still is exclusive, but, but people would tell you, you know, basically a gallery owner could make or break your career. You know, if you right. can't get into a gallery, then, you know, you're kind of screwed. Um, uh, but nowadays you can at least go home and, 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 uh, do the work and, and try to work at selling it. But I, I'm, I like, I have shows, I'm, I'm doing a couple like group shows this month and I've got a show coming up the next month. So I, I do, I do have a balance, but I think I spend most of my time, a majority of my time getting my work online and trying to market it that way. And then I use shows kind of to supplement, <laughs> which is probably the exact opposite of how it used to be. <laughs> cool. That's interesting, yeah. the changes. In terms of that, then, so what are, if an artist, like, so say a major gallery or a gallery doesn't pick you up at mm-hmm. the moment, so they're not going to cover the costs of marketing or, you know, the venue or anything like that. So say you want to put on your own, an artist wants to put on their own show. What are some of the costs involved in kind of doing it themselves? Oh yeah, well that can be that can be pricey. I mean, you know, the the upside of of putting on your own show obviously is that if you if you sell well, you you get all the profits, which is great. Um, but there's the you know there's the rent. You got to find a space. You got to find a space to rent, and in Los Angeles and many places, many cities around the world, it's really expensive. So you know, I I would recommend going into it with you know a few people, uh, some people that you admire and you like their work, and 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 splitting that. But then you got to handle you know, the marketing of it. And, you know, ideally you want to maybe have some uh, sponsorship for the event. So, you know, you can find some ways around this. A lot of companies will, I could say you, you know, you want to get like a, a bottled, bottled water company to come. Sometimes they'll provide the bottled water in exchange for people coming to the show and, you know, seeing their, their product there um, yeah, or, or for, you know, for a cheaper price, I guess. Um, so those are, those are a couple of things, but, you know, and also transporting your work there, it's it's pretty costly, but but if you do it right and you get people to the show and you um, create some sort of buzz um, online or in you know local newspaper and you sell, then it's it's worthwhile. Yeah, no, those are some really good ideas. I love particularly what you said about the the sponsorship. Um, I was talking to someone recently, a vegan business owner who was putting on an event in a fringe festival where they had to basically pay for everything, and they said it was definitely a learning experience for them. And one of the things I advised them was around yeah, trying to get that sponsorship in because that can really help to offset your costs. So now those are some great ideas. Now yeah. I know obviously you've you know you say you've done the Tony Robbins thing. You're obviously you've done a lot of work around your mindset. Rejection is common. And it's well, it's common in, in many businesses, probably almost all businesses, but probably more so in the arts world. So how do you cope with that? And what specific strategies do you do? Like, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, that's my artwork's load of rubbish or you know, like, <laughs> how do you cope with that? Particularly with online, you mentioned, you know, people are not afraid, particularly if they're hiding behind anonymity to, you know, uh, say their opinions. So how do you oh, kind of yeah. cope with, with that sort of criticism or rejection? <laughs> You're talking about haters. You, yeah. you uh, I, I can't remember who it was that said this, but you know, if, if you if you have some haters, you're doing something right. Basically, yes, you, yes. you got to get you got to get some haters. You know, because uh, then you're on the right track. People are going to take the time to write something about you. It's because you struck a nerve with them in some True. way. So that's a good thing. But um, yeah, rejection is rejection is probably one of the hardest things as an artist. I mean, in general, right? As, as a business owner, but but I think especially in the art world, I mean, you 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 get rejected constantly and. For me, it was it was about another uh, uh, mind, mindset shift. It was about seeing rejection as something positive. I, I'm getting if I'm getting rejected, 
it means I'm moving forward. It means that, you know, I'm putting myself out there. So uh, if you're not getting any rejections, you know, you're probably not putting yourself out there and nobody's seeing your work. So that's a positive thing. Mm, um, I like now, that. That's a good point. It's like, yeah, not being rejected is a sign you're being too safe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out there. Nice. And if you're, if, you're, if you're too safe, then you don't grow. So that's, that was one of my big things last year. I, I kind of have a little theme each year. My, my theme last year was <laughs> the year of no fear. So basically, I, just, I would just put myself out there and do as many things as possible. I would say yes to things and do this and that. And because, I, because you know, I think people, people they think that everything that they're doing is so important and that, you know, oh, my God, if, if somebody rejects you for this, you know, your career's over. Really, people are busy. They don't have time to, to be thinking about one little rejection you had or if you tried something and it failed, you know, just move on and try something else. And, but the funny thing is, is when I did that, I actually didn't get a lot of rejections. I didn't get a lot of negativity. It actually, it opened a lot of doors for me. So um, just, just trying to be resilient, stay positive, keep trying new things to, to, to get yourself to grow. But also for me, um, I know this is a vegan podcast. So, I mean, getting, getting, you know, the, the diet is, is, is huge for me. I mean, it's not really a diet. It's more of a lifestyle for me, but, but eating well, keeping my energy levels up. Um, if I were like, I was in the past when I was the, quote unquote, starving artist, and I was drinking <laughs> at night, you know, I would wake up with a hangover and I'd be working and I wouldn't be able to handle it. Rejection. So it's, it's, an, yeah. it's amplified. So when you, when you're getting up early, you're putting good things in your body. You know, I meditate, I, I try to do some yoga or, or run. Um, I, I even have like an inversion table where I'll hang upside down, get the blood flow into the brain, do some breathing exercises. When you're doing those kind of things, it, it kind of like helps to uh, mitigate a little bit, you know, yeah. some of the rejection. No, that's really good points, actually. Like you say, yeah, if you're already in a kind of negative state that has been brought on by, you know, whatever lack of sleep, which is my thing. Sometimes when I'm on deadline, sleep's the first thing to go, and which is fine yeah. if it's maybe one night, but then if it builds up, yeah, you're in that physical state, and you're right, it does really amplify anything negative. So I love what you've shared there. Yeah. And I think I heard someone, I don't know who said it, but every single rejection or every single no is another step towards the yeses, um, which yes. I thought was a nice little uh, uh, analogy too so um, cool. so true. just final questions um Preston. so what have been the key lessons you say you've learned through running your art-based business because you've like you say you've gone from you know having it as a side hustle and doing what you needed to do to pay the bills to shifting yeah. to being a full-time artist which is awesome so what, what looking back you know to date what would you say have been yeah the key lessons you've learned key lessons is going back to the first thing we talked about is no one's going to do it for you so take, take it, take it seriously. You, you're, I mean, the sky's the limit when you, when you run your own business or you're an artist or an actor or whatever it is, um, sky's the limit. So you, you can work as hard as you want and as creatively as you, as you want. It's not always about working a hundred percent hard. It's about working, you know, some more, uh, working smart essentially. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit to what you can achieve, uh, based on how much energy you're putting into it. And then for me, I learned a lot about, I used to, I used to complain a lot. I used to have a lot of negativity um, and, you know, jealousy of other people who were doing well and I wasn't doing well. I'm complaining, oh, they, the world's not taking notice of my artwork. You know? <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because looking back and I'm like, well, yeah, the world wasn't taking notice of your artwork because you weren't doing anything. And it was, <laughs> it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to the point that it needed to be. I mean, I look back and I feel like everything happened the way it happened for a reason for me. So it's just kind of trusting that and, and knowing that 
it's leading you somewhere. Don't be so, don't be so caught up on, you know, every little thing that bad thing that happens to you, because, you know, if, if you're moving forward and if you have, you know, uh, if you've got positive goals, you're going to find out down the road that you look back and you're like, you know, I'm glad that that, that thing didn't happen because I wasn't ready for it. Then. Absolutely. For it. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes it can be, I know when I was working in journalism and, um, and one of the jobs I had, I loved, I mean, it had, it's, there was some, you know, frustrating aspects to it, but then, you know, and eventually it came that I left. And when I looked back well, at the time I was devastated, I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, this is awful. But now <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, thank God I got out of there when I did. So right? yeah, it's funny. We don't always see it at the time when it's happening, but yeah, it, it can certainly be happening for a, a good reason. Fantastic. Yes. So what about your long-term vision for yourself and your, your artwork and your brand, I guess, Preston, what, what do you see in the future? Take over the world. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, um, no you know, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for, for any success that I've had. I think, I think success, especially in the art world, is, is very subjective. But um, my, my long-term vision is to have um, enough wealth. I don't mean wealth just monetarily, but just general wealth in my life that I'm not consumed by the day-to-day struggles. But, um, and I'm not so consumed with myself essentially, but that I'm able to kind of give back. I, I want to eventually help other artists. I want other artists to kind of avoid certain pitfalls that I, you know, had and went through, um, you know, that whole, you know, being negative, being, being the starving, tortured artist, but I would love to be able to kind of shake them at that level and be like, look, you can be, you can be a positive, happy artist and create good work. <laughs> and, and that, that's, that's where I, I see myself eventually is, is having being comfortable enough and being, you know, successful enough that I'm, I'm focused on, on giving back to people. So wonderful. I love that. Well, you've shared some amazing insights. Um, I've certainly been very inspired by our interview and I think you're, you're one kind of PMS that we can embrace. And love. <laughs> All right. I'm going to use that. No, but it's been wonderful. It's been really great to have someone such as yourself, who's a, an artist, who's vegan, who's ethical, and like you say, who is able to earn a living as an artist and do, like you say, meaningful work without having to be uh, consistently complaining and negative and, like you say, tortured, starving artists. So I, I really love that. I think this has been a very inspiring interview. And I know that a lot of uh, vegan creatives who will be uh, listening to this will, will definitely get a lot from it. So thank you so awesome. much for chatting and being on the show with me today, Preston. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. So that was Preston M. Smith from PMS Artwork. You can find out more at pmsartwork.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 84. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Australia's largest supplier of dairy products has announced a 22% drop in milk sales in the past financial year, reports the Daily Mail. Murray Goulburn revealed that milk intake had dropped to 2.7 billion litres and is expected to drop even lower. And this is despite a campaign by the industry to get customers to boycott cheap, non-branded dairy milk in supermarkets. The company's financial report says the group posted a $370.8 million loss during the financial year 2016-17. Meanwhile, the plant-based dairy-free sector continues to grow. 
So let's hope that more animal-based dairies follow Elmhurst in New York, which switched to making nut milks after 92 years in the dairy industry due to inconsistent losses. Students at the University of California, Berkeley, are taking on the meat industry with the creation of an alternative meats lab focused on developing plant-based alternatives. The Alt Meat Lab, part of the university's Sutaja Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology, will use the latest tools and technology to create plant-based proteins aimed at meat eaters. Co-chair for the new lab, visiting Professor Ricardo San Martin, said, There is evidence that meat lovers would buy plant-based meat alternatives if the taste is right. One of our goals for the lab will be to develop delicious food that is similar to meat from a nutritional and functional perspective, but may not necessarily mimic meat exactly. The initiative follows the university's launch of the world's first course solely focused on developing plant meat products earlier this year, that's 2017 if you're listening in the future, in partnership with the Good Food Institute, a non-profit whose mission is to support the success of the meat alternatives industry. This is so refreshing. This is exactly the kind of innovation that universities need to be doing instead of courses and students being influenced by large, unethical multinational corporations. Fantastic news. Finally, a vegan cupcake decorating studio has opened in Miami, Florida, reports Veg News. Vegan bakery Bunny Cakes is behind the quirky initiative, which offers participants the opportunity to choose between various packages that include everything you need for decorating sweet treats. One package includes six large fresh-baked and unfrosted cupcakes, while another has a five-inch three-layer cake in a choice of vanilla, chocolate or funfetti flavours. Participants can choose to decorate their delights with three buttercream colours, three fondant balls and two items from the goodie bar, such as rainbow sprinkles. So this is a clever move by Bunny Cakes to diversify their offerings and bring in an additional stream of income alongside sales of their cakes in the original store, which is located in front of the new studio in the Edgewater neighbourhood. It just goes to show you don't have to be locked in to doing one thing in your business, so maybe have a think about how creative you can get and what other offerings you could provide for your customers or clients. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.